This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh my goodness me! What a fantastic goal! What a goal! That is absolutely superb! Huge cheers go up around Emirates Stadium. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 6th of November 2017. I'm your host, Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on today's show, Hector Bayerin on his studies outside of football. We look at the letter D in the A to Z of Arsenal and I take on Adrian Clark in the latest round of Brain of Arsenal. But let's kick off by looking back at another double game week with our Arsenal Insider. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Well, here to talk about another double game week for Arsenal. Delighted to say that uh, the London Evening Standards, James Ollie joins us on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. James, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you, Russ? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, pal. Um, we'll start, I think, you covered both of the games over the last few days with a point in the Europa League against uh, Red Star Belgrade, which, as we know, confirms Arsenal at least making their way through to another phase. Yeah, it did. I mean, it was it was a bit of an underwhelming occasion. I think in isolation, obviously that you know the ground wasn't full. I think it was it was it was significant. I think given that obviously the first home game against Cologne uh, was, a, was a bit of a farce from a ticketing point of view. So we didn't really know how much the Europa League was really engaging with with uh, with, with home fans until that game. So. I think they they voted with their feet a little bit, but you know the team the, the team got the job done. I mean they qualified with with two games to spare, um, obviously unbeaten so far, and um, you know I think now we'll we'll probably see, although it's been a second string side up until this point, we'll probably see a, a third string side if such a thing exists. You know even more kids I think thrown in, in the last couple of games to. To, to give someone an opportunity. And you think about one or two of those options, obviously Eddie Nketiah having his chance and doing really well. That's like Ben Sheaf getting fit and being around that periphery. There's actually one or two in that tier who've either taken a chance already or or are desperate to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Matt Macy's probably another one you could throw into that category as well. I, I thought he actually did quite well um, in, in the Belgrade game. And, and obviously, you know, with Espina being out injured, he that was the only reason he got his chance, really. But you, you think now that the the, uh, 
the level that he's shown right at the start that maybe he he might get a run in those in those last two games and and show what he can do. Yeah, which would be very useful for him moving forward for sure. Lots of talk about Jack Wilshere had one cleared off the line, and again, it's just impressing when he gets his chances, James. Yeah, and significant for him on a personal level because it, obviously that game came on the same day that he was left out of the England squad, um, which you know will have will have been a blow to him. I, I mean, I know that he's. Uh, I've spoken to him a couple of times about this, and I, I know that you know it, it, the World Cup very much is in his mind. It is something that he, he wants to be a part of and I think he he might have thought although the the October games came too early um that, that maybe this time he thought he, he would get involved and, and and he'd be he'd be ready to, to to play and make the squad so I think that was a blow for him but he you know he responded to that well and and you know he obviously got um 10 or 15 minutes I think at the Etihad uh on Sunday so you know that's another step in because that's only his second Premier League appearance I think so uh, since he's come back so you know he, he's getting there incrementally and obviously he's now got um, what about three or four months so it's March I think the next squad the next England squad to really try and push on and, uh, and get regular minutes for Arsenal so that he can obviously sort his con contract situation out first at club level and then hopefully get into the England team James let's move on to events on Sunday at the Etihad Stadium you were there for that for the standard as well uh, another disappointing away day against another top four and, and potential title rival of recent years yeah, it was it was a curious performance, really. Uh, I know that the team selection was affected by the fact that, that Mertesacker fell ill on the eve of the game. Uh, Rob Holding had an injury, which meant, obviously, in addition to Mustafi being out, that Coquelin had to drop in. But I, I, I did think that decision was slightly odd, given that, you know, Matthew Dabushi has played a few games uh, of late. I mean, OK, you could argue the risk of throwing in, you know, a, a player like that into, into a game against City, but... You know, he is he is an established defender. You know, Mohamed Elneny, if you're going to play a midfielder at centre-half, well, Elneny's been playing there recently. Um, so to drop Cochrane in, I thought, was was a bit of a curious call, as was Lacazette, obviously not starting. Uh, he didn't start at, at Liverpool, and, and I know a lot of the fans were quite upset about that. And yeah, Wenger repeated the trick here. And it only, it only served, really, to, to heighten the irritation about that, because when he came on, he obviously scored with... Pretty much his first chance, and he, you know, and he looked sharp, and and that was Arsenal's best period of the game, really. When they, you know, they were two 0 down, they got back to two one, and, and there was about a ten minute spell there where you thought they 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 could go two two here. City looked vulnerable. Um, you know, we all talk about how uh, how good City are going forward. It's undeniable they're they're the best team in the league at the moment, but they are they are vulnerable at the back. They do concede goals, and you, you just thought, well. During that period when Arsenal played with a bit of purpose, a bit of intensity, uh, and a bit of risk, really, that they, that they did look like getting back into the game. But um, ultimately, the decisions went against them. The penalty was a was a sort of fifty fifty call, and obviously the third goal was offside, which killed it. But um, all in all, it was it, it was another disappointing afternoon, and, and obviously that extends this run now of I think it's fifteen. Uh, away games at the top six without a win, which is which is a problem that, that Arsene Wenger needs to address. Just hear a little bit from Arsene Wenger then, James, ruining those couple of key decisions that you've mentioned that didn't go Arsenal's way. You have seen what I've seen. Uh, you judge what what uh, how you want. But I think uh, uh, the fact that you tell me is an offside goal shows is enough, you know. But means it's time. Uh, it's. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from their quality. But... Uh, it happened at the moment uh, where we went less. We were reading the game at 2-1, and uh, it was it killed the game. 
And it's the second year we come here. We get uh, two offside goals last year and we get uh, one again this year. And uh, apart from that, uh, I felt that we started well in the first 10 minutes after we suffered because we played too deep. And uh, for 25 minutes, in the last 10 minutes, we came back into the game. Second half was even game. Uh, was us chasing the game. And them uh, always being dangerous on counter-attacks. But uh, uh, I felt we put a lot of effort in and the 2-1, they were... Uh, you could feel that uh, we could come back, you know, and uh, the 3-1 was an immense relief for him, an unexpected uh, uh, present, but uh, it is as it is. And yeah, that penalty decision, James, in particular, that's led to a lot of discussions and talking points as a result on Monday, hasn't it? The incident and then Wenger's reaction. Yeah, I mean, look, it's clumsy. Monreal got the wrong side of, of Sterling. You know, he opened them up, and, and I think he's looking for it. I can, I think, I think calling him a diver as, as he has done, I think is, is maybe overstepping the mark a little bit. But he, but he certainly is looking for the contact, and when he feels it, I think he goes to ground. Um, you know, that was obviously a key moment in the game, as was the third goal. But you, you know you'd be wrong really to focus on those two decisions as if they they were the determining factors. You, City City were the better team on the day. You, you felt as though they still had another gear or two they could have gone through. It wasn't quite clicking through them in the final third. It wasn't the sort of complete free-flowing performances that we've seen from them uh, in other matches recently. Um, but, I, you know, you, you just felt that they were going to find a way to win that game. OK, they got a bit of help from the referee this time, but I, I think if they'd not found that, uh, that way, they would have found another way. And James, just to finish, we look at where things stand now. International break, obviously lots of commitments for players. And then coming back, it will be Spurs. Uh, it's going to be huge, that, isn't it, to come back and get some kind of result to make sure that this City result doesn't really bury effectively Arsenal's title hopes for the season or at least top four. Yeah, it's a huge game. It's, it's an absolutely huge game. And, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot over the years written about the balance of power between the two clubs shifting in North London. Um, I, I think... Wenger's never been challenged more than he is now on all sides, really. You know, this is it's a huge game for him. You know, he he was given this new two-year contract based on the idea that he could challenge for the Premier League and uh, and obviously the Champions League if, as and when they get back into it next year. And, and, and to be 12 points behind City already in early November is, you know, is a huge ask to try and claw that back over the coming months. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a colossal game, really. Um, and, you know, Arsenal need a response. Um, the break probably comes at a decent time insofar as they can clear their heads, they can all go away with their countries and then come back and, and refocus. Um, but uh, I, I think it will be a really high-quality game of football and I'd like, you know, you hope again that Arsenal can go out on the front foot and really try and take the game for Scotland because, again, I think if they, if they relinquish control of the game, relinquish territory, try and hit Spurs on the break, um, you know, you don't want to be giving those those kind of players that amount of control in the game. I like to see Arsenal really take the game to them, particularly at home in front of their own fans, and really go and put a performance that shows that they can go and have a positive second half of the season. James, brilliant stuff. Really appreciate your time here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Pleasure. Hector Bayerin recently completed a degree in marketing at the University of Pennsylvania. Hector spoke to us about that process and what he hopes to achieve in the future with it. 
Hector, we know that you did a marketing diploma from the University of Pennsylvania last year. Can you just tell us about how that, how that went for you, how you found the whole experience? Well, um, actually, um, I live with, uh, with my friend uh, and we decided that we were going we're gonna to create a marketing agency. So, um, you know, I've been, you know, I'm a player that's always, uh, I like to be on social media. I like to, to see what, um, what people like, what people don't like, when we post stuff, when I don't. So... Um, you know, I got really curious really quick and, you know, even though I'm really young, you need to always um, think ahead, think was, what was there for you when you, when you finish your football. I think the, the quicker you realise that, the better. So, um, you know, um, I took a, a course with a diploma with, a, with the University of Pennsylvania in, in marketing and it was a basic degree, just basically teaching me all the all the key points of it. And you know, I was I, every day after training, I used to go home, uh, finish all my deadlines, and you know, it was it, it was quite hard, you know, because uh, it's something that you do online, you don't have a teacher, and, and it's quite hard. The language sometimes was a bit difficult for me as well. But um, you know, really pleased that I did it. Um, it's always I always have fun learning, you know, even if it's on and off the pitch. So I think uh, you know something that's always going to be there with me now. Did you enjoy the, the discipline of it, the fact that you, you had set, set deadlines? I know that can be tough, especially when you f football isn't a, a regular schedule, is it? is it? Was it hard to fit it around it? Did you like the discipline? How did you? Well, um, to be fair, even though we, had, uh, we have quite a, of like a hectic um, schedule sometimes, we have a lot of time off when, when we have uh, training in the mornings that we have a lot of time in the afternoon. So, you know, I'm a person that when it comes to something, I always... I always stick to it, so you know I knew it was only gonna be a few months, and you know I would stick to it every week. It was hard sometimes, but you know the the reward when you finish and you 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 pass that exam is is exciting. And you say you're thinking about life after football. You're still a young man, there's still a lot of years to go in in your football career. But how important is it to to always be thinking? Do you think that that step ahead? Well, I think uh, sometimes uh, football players they get to to like the 30s and then they start thinking about uh, what they're going to do after and uh, then you know suddenly maybe you can get an injured and and things you know they get rushed and you end up like with not playing football and not thinking about what you're going to do after it and you know sometimes uh, I've known people that when they take football away from you it's hard to find who you are kind of like what, what are you here for kind of thing and you know it's, it's important for me I think to from such a young age to just have clear things in my mind, you never know that it's always going to be like even injuries or stuff like this, it's not even just with the age. I've got um, a friend of mine that had to stop football due to, uh, to cardiac arrest, you know, when he was really, really young. So, I mean, these things happen in football, so you always have to be ready for it. And hopefully, um, if God wants me to like finish my career in my late years, then I will have all these years to keep learning other things and, you know, have the clarity in my head of what to do whenever I finish. And you never know, you could go into business with Matthew Flamini. We know he's got his, uh, his energy company. That yeah, he, and he started uh, when he was young, when he was, um, remember, um, after training, he used to go to meetings, he used to do this. And, you know, a lot of people in the dressing room would look at him like oh, a bit of a, of a madman, you know. But I think it's a clear example that you can do both things. And, you know, if you believe in something and, and you know, you have the right resources, then you can make it happen for sure. The A.
D is for Dickoff. Paul came through the academy ranks at the club, played 22 times and scoring four goals before moving to Manchester City in 1996. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This game going on against the backdrop of news via the radios of what's happening up at Boundary Park. Right hounding Young. Dickoff! Paul Dickoff puts another nail in the Crystal Palace coffin. Arsenal keeping at it. Oh, and they've got a goal of great quality from Dickoff. Headed on by Hartson. And Dickoff! Smart finishing there, and Arsenal have forged their way into the lead. John Hartson played a major part, and Paul Dickoff round Pressman. D is also for one of Paul's hybrid teammates, the legendary Lee Dixon. Lee spent 14 years with the Gunners after joining the club from Stoke in 1988. Here he is speaking after his testimonial against Real Madrid. It's one that's hard to put into words. I thought I'd. I'd seen and, and, and experienced everything at, at club level and international level. Um, the ups and the downs and the winning trophies and I thought I'd experienced it all. But um, to actually have a, have a crowd that turn up just, just for you, is, you know, it brought a tear to my eye and I'm not ashamed to admit that. In total, Lee made 619 appearances for the Arsenal, scoring 28 times, including this one in the Champions League. Set forward by Kia. Going across with Henri. Oh, it's Lee Dixon! Where did he come from? And Deportivo still don't know the answer. 
That goal came in a 5-1 victory against another D, Deportivo La Coruña. We played the Spanish side four times with that being our only victory in March 2000. Burkamp took that nicely on the half turn. That enabled the pass to go to Overmars. In comes Ari! Slick and snappy from Arsenal. Petit with the free kick. And round the back, Thierry Henry with the header. Oh, Canu. Oh! Wonderful finish. Smiles all around Highbury. And Jack Songo left in a heap by Kanu. So Bergkamp stays on and takes the free kick and scores from it by the deflection. The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. Well, joining me at the Chalkboard is Adrian Clark. Clarky, how's it going? Hello, Russ. Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, not too bad. Disappointing weekend, obviously, for Arsenal. We'll start, I think, with our question on the chalkboard. Should Elneny have started ahead of Cochrane against Manchester City? Oh, yeah, good question. It took everybody by surprise, didn't it, uh, France Cochrane's inclusion? Uh, what I will say is that for the 56 minutes he was on the pitch, I think he was arguably Arsenal's best performing defender. There were three or four really well-timed tackles that Francis Cochrane made. Uh, a couple of them stemmed dangerous breakaways. One or two of his passes went astray, I, I think. But, but overall, I actually think he did OK in that position. Um, so if I was judging him on his performance, I, I would say he was just fine. What I would have done in, in that scenario with the shortage of defenders, I would have gone with a flat back four. I, I think sometimes um, if there just aren't enough players in a certain position, it's maybe better to, to revert back to a, a unit and a shape that Arsenal are really comfortable in anyway. So uh, that's that's what I would have done. And that's what obviously Arsenal Wenger went, went to in the second half. Um, I guess if you're Elneny, you're feeling a little bit a little bit put out because he's been the go-to guy at centre-half. There's also Debussy who who might have felt that he he was worth, worth a try. But look, for me, absolutely no blame to Coquelin for that defeat. And actually, when you judge him on his performance, it was just fine. And the good thing about the back three is you can afford to have one non-natural centre-half in there, but when you have Monreal there too as, as ostensibly a left-back, yeah. I just wonder whether that is just a bridge too far sometimes. Maybe, yeah. He, he's, yeah, he's, he's naturally a full-back, isn't he, Monreal? So, yeah, well, it wasn't ideal. And I guess the fact that there was a new face in the middle may have unsettled Koscielny and Monreal to some degree. But... Yeah, as a, as a, I want to reiterate it, I've watched the game twice and I've, I've not found a lot to fault Coquelin in terms of his defending. OK, we continue to ask you a few questions at the chalkboard and, of course, preview the Spurs game in our show next week. Um, which player in the Cup eleven do you think is closest to breaking into the Premier League eleven? <laughs> it's got to be Jack Wilshere. It has to be. Uh, I think he has he's shown up really well in the Cup competitions. Arsenal at times are crying out for someone like him, uh, his creativity Moving to make things happen. Yeah, well. He moves the ball quickly between the lines, and in and around the final third, he's imaginative. And I think that makes a big difference. Aaron Ramsey is a key man at the moment because he's the one midfielder that's adding drive and unpredictability. He's popping up in areas 
that you need midfielders to pop up in. What we're lacking a little bit of at the moment is a bit of now sitting around the box. I'm a Mesut Ozil fan, but he didn't play well against Manchester City. Um, and it's food for thought that maybe Jack Wilshere could come into that role. If he doesn't play in an attacking midfield position, I'll, I could see Jack Wilshere in a midfield three. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing an Arsenal midfield three uh, in, the, in the weeks to come. Maybe with Xhaka flanked either side by Ramsey and Wilshere. I think that could work out well. And then Sanchez maybe playing off Lacazette. But there again, where would you yeah. play a Wobie? Yeah. There's always going to be debate. Yeah. Of the kids, um, I'd say maybe Maitland-Niles is probably knocking on, on the door. I feel he's been a bit unlucky in that he's been used out of position in the cup games at, at full-back. I'd love to see him in central midfield. But there are opportunities for him in that position. And I'll tell you what... On the back of that brace, I know it was only only one game, but I'd like to see Eddie Nketiah be on the bench for a Premier League game, just as an option, because this kid can finish. And when you're in search of a goal desperately in, in a particular match, sometimes you can throw on a wild card. United did it with Marcus Rashford last season, uh, or it's a couple of seasons ago. Um, Nketiah could be that guy for Arsenal. And you have someone then, say, for a prolonged career, like maybe a Solskjaer at Man U, who they could almost make semi-career out of coming yeah. off the bench and scoring well, what, what critical no goals. Yeah, what I've noticed about Nketiah, going back to pre-season, is that he always has a chance. He, he, he puts himself into the box and the ball is like a magnet to him. He will have opportunities. So, um, yeah, he could be a super sub. Okay, I've got a very interesting final question for the chalkboard. Uh, we heard from Hector Bayerin earlier about his degree on the podcast. Let's not even go there with Arsene Wenger's degree course <laughs> and the controversy that that created in Brain of Arsenal last week. Uh, not that I mind. Uh, <laughs> but if you were to go to or go back to university, I'm not sure yeah. if you did a particular little one after you retired or not, yeah. but what would you study? Oh, it's a, it's a really tough question. Um, I, d I did do uh, further education. I did, I did A-levels in my spare time. I did them over, over four years, actually. I did maths for two years. I did English for two years after. After that, so I did go back to school. Um, kind of wish I'd done a degree, really, after that. But but I think I just had enough of studying. Uh, for, for financial reasons, I'd probably do something like law because every lawyer that I know is is minted, um, and it, it seems like easy money to me. Um, but then but, we might not have you here. Yeah. I don't know what I'd do then. <laughs> um, but I, do you know what? I'd probably do languages. I think that's the one thing that I that I regret not not spending my spare time doing. I'm always really envious of of people that can speak different languages. And it can come in so handy. Do you speak any at all? Or? Uh, no, pidgin French, pidgin Spanish. Uh, that's about it. Um, dos cervezas, por favor. That's about it. That's all that I've got in my in my armory. Um, it's but one, but it's handy when I'm on holiday. Um, so no, that's probably what I do. But but I'm all for footballers using their spare time to to educate themselves. Why, why don't they? Why don't more of them do it? I, th I think it's it's a no brainer because let's be honest, you do have a lot of downtime. Bad news for you, this week's edition of Brain of Arsenal is going to be in French. Brain of Arsenal. I'm only joking, it's OK. We'll stick in English, Parky. <laughs> Don't worry, pleased to say that Liam Roberts, the Arsenal Weekly Podcast editor, rejoins it. Again, mate, good work from Aleki when you weren't here. Got to be careful of that, man. I want to put this record straight. I was actually producing it over the phone. I was in the tra that train station waiting room because I was delayed. It took me four hours to get here. So even when I'm not here, I'm here. So but Alec remember that. Present, Alec's presence in the studio makes you lucky. Uh, creates makes you very, very, very lucky. Four-four <laughs> draw, of course. It just raises standards, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. I suppose go back. So the only thing you know how to say in Spanish is two beers, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that says more about you. <laughs>
two beers, please, and whatever's anyone else wants. Is that, yeah. Not even that bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, amazing performance by you both last week. Yeah. Lucky, Thanks. well studied. Um, so, <laughs> so we're coming in this week, weeks two and three. Um, who went first last week? I can't remember. Uh, you went first, I think, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, Clark yeah, went first yeah, last week. So, put big pressure on and you, you rose yeah, to the so occasion. your decision, you Russ. Okay. Would you like to go first or second? I'll go first. First, so you're into week two. Of Arsene Wenger pre-Arsenal. Pre-Arsenal, okay. Yeah. So, four questions, starting now. Which team did Arsene Wenger allegedly support as a child? Borussia Mönchengladbach. Correct. Question two, which year did he receive his manager's diploma? 1981. Correct. Oh, you dug deep for that. <laughs> Question three. Um, Arsene Wenger's Monaco side lost the 1992 European Cup and Cup final against which team? Strasbourg team, which is, which was the amateur Strasbourg team. No. No. Okay, if we're not counting that. Okay, so, Dutenheim was not, I think, a senior team either. So I'm going to say, Mutzig, Malouz, and the senior Strasbourg team. So three senior teams plus two amateur teams, sandwiched in between as well. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> You raised the bar there, mate. That is, that, is that is outstanding. So, uh, yeah, look, you might, as, you might as well do it in French. I th I've had about two minutes to revise this. Here we go. Okay, and I caught you revising when I got here. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Arsenal 1997, 98, week three, starting now. Um, who was Arsenal's biggest defeat of the season against, and what was the score? Oh, I believe it was one of the dead rubbers at the end of the season. Which was Liverpool four, Arsenal nil. Correct. Nice. Okay, question two. In the ten-game winning streak that won the league, mm. how many clean sheets did Arsenal oh, take? Okay, this is going to be a guess. Um, judging by the fact that you're making this a question, there was quite a few. So I'm going to say um, eight of ten. Correct. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hello. Question three. How many red cards did Arsenal receive that season? Oh man. You know what? When you disturbed my revision, I was I was I was busy tossing them up. Is this in the Premier League? And I didn't get to the end of the season. So um, is this over the whole whole season or, or uh, just Prem? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I'll tell you what. No, it was the whole season. Yeah, ninety seven. Whole season, right? Season, well, yeah. well, I know that Vieira got a couple, didn't he? Bergkamp got one. Yeah, um, Petit got one. Um, so that's four I know of. I think Keown got one. Five. Um, and now, look, if, if it's more than five, it's your fault because you interrupted me. So I'm going to say five. Correct. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> dear, dear. Question four. This is not good because it means I've got to go even deeper next week on two subjects and I'm running out of questions. So, question four. For the draw, how many goals did Ian Wright score in all competitions? Oh, no. I, I hadn't got around to doing this. It's not as many, I don't think, as we'd expect because he, he missed a lot of games. He got about 11 in the league. 16 is, is winking at me. I don't, I don't know if it's right, but I'll say 16. It was 11. 
<laughs> so it's like three and a half almost, but no, four, three, uh, amazing effort. Yeah. I think three in Thank week you. three is by far the highest week three score we've ever had, isn't it? Yeah. That was amazing. So yeah. that'll, that'll yeah. play well when I total up the total questions okay. at the end of the season. Oh. But um, congratulations, Russ. On to week three for you yep, next stick week. Stick one more week, yeah. AD, you are changing your subject. Oh, I am, aren't I? Um, yeah, um, hadn't really given it a lot of thought, um, but the way, yeah, Someone I always enjoy bumping into here uh, behind the scenes at Emirates Stadium is Charlie George. He, he's a ledge, isn't he, around the place? A real character. You can hit him as let's, well. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's do a little bit of knowledge on Charlie George. Excellently. Clarky, when can we see or hear you again? On uh, well, I've got, the, I've got the week off, so uh, international break, of course. So I will be back... I think not until the Monday after the Spurs game. So back for the breakdown on the 20th. No excuse, though, not to be fully prepped for your new subject. <laughs> well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Hector Bayerin, to James Ollie, and to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. We'd like to know how we're doing in the podcast, so please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Can subscribe as well and find us on ACAST these days. You can also remember to get your questions into Clarky for the chalkboard on Twitter using the hashtag ArsenalWeekly. We're back on Monday, the 13th of November. And before then, we're back with another Arsenal Weekly podcast stories. That's on Thursday, the 9th, and it features the legendary Gilberto. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.